Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving higher. Hello and welcome to Moving Higher Podcast number 312 with your host, me, Casey Seymour, and my good friend, Luciano Badone. And uh, he's... He is the what? Do, what do you do? What's your what is your uh, exact title? Well, the last set of cards I they made up for me. Uh, <laughs> Wash bay guy. <laughs> uh, equipment marketing and export manager is what I, I handle. So I mean, I I am I focus on um, used equipment, used large ag, um, used inventory, and. Um, once it's traded right and then uh anything unconventional so anything out of area exports um anything that's kind of just kind of out of the box gotcha gotcha got right on and so you're you're a used equipment guy you're dealing with stuff that's happening out there you're buying and selling stuff all over the world making things happen and needless to say the last couple of years have been it's the best way to put this, you know, interesting is probably the easiest, easiest term to use. That's the most widespread because it's been everything plus that and more. When you start looking at not having inventory to sell um, export wise, not having inventory to sell used in your territory, not having inventory to sell new, um, that stuff starting to kind of catch up or starting to see that that start to unfold. So I guess Lou, looking over this last couple of years, what are some of the biggest hurdles that you guys have had to overcome, and and what are some of the biggest hurdles you think that are set in front of you? So, I guess I'll start off by saying that I, I and you, you and I have talked about this before. Um, not all regions are created equal and i mean different regions yeah. throughout all this sure. madness and all this uncertainty i think that different regions of the country um have had a different set of challenges right and as far as we go down here in the southeast so i mean we're we're down in southwest georgia so i mean crop mix i mean we've been through this before but cotton peanuts a little bit of corn 
uh, some produce, uh, pecans. But as far as what we're really following as proxies are going to be cotton and peanuts. Um, the majority of our business is done uh, through multi-unit. Uh, most of our new 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 equipment is sold through uh, multi-unit deals. So you've got larger producers that are that are rolling their equipment at a predefined uh, uh, cycle, and that's how we seed our used equipment program. And um, the reason I explain that is because um, due to the nature of of how we operate um we've had delays i mean no doubt um but we've gotten the equipment we've needed we we haven't held anybody up significantly we haven't been able unable to deliver and again uh in parentheses um referring to large ag right i mean obviously if you want to start getting to small ag and consumer products and all that that's a whole nother ball of wax which we're not going to get into um so We've had equipment, right? It's been delayed. Uh, so our biggest thing has been managing that and managing the fact that all you know you'll do without any inventory for several, several months, and then all of a sudden the 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 floodgates open and you have a lot of equipment hit the ground at the same time. And so obviously that puts a lot of pressure on us from a marketing standpoint. But um that leads to our second challenge, which is a, a personnel you know, issues. Um, I think everybody's grappling with that around the country. Uh, you've got these shops where you've got people coming and going and we're busier than what we ever have. We don't have a downtime anymore during the year. Um, so if you've got a couple dozen tractors hitting the ground um, in a matter of 30 days, getting the new tractors in, getting them PDI, getting the used through that shop and keeping up with our our normal customer our regular customer base has become a real challenge. Um, yep. So we have found ourselves extending working hours throughout the year. Um, we've really been leveraging uh, student programs. I mean, we've got guys coming in there, coming in and uh, after school. Um, uh, we've got a tech school there in our region, so that we're very lucky in that regard. Uh, so we're able to put kind of our our top tier uh, techs on on uh, customer work, and then kind of handling the the rest of uh the maybe not as um complicated work using some of the uh, newer tech newer techs and some of the student techs so um obvious other challenge is is, is pricing i mean everybody's right. talking about the same thing um we have really had to hone our craft as far as and i'm, I'm speaking specifically about our, our our retail sales team having to go out there and have some serious conversations with these customers and uh where back before it was kind of you kind of knew where things were going you knew what the price increase was roughly i mean the customers were kind of used to it um well in this environment you're having to sit down and and and, and explain and and try to figure out what you can do and what we can do to bring more value to these deals to justify some of these price increases um so that's a lot of what we're but we what what we've been grappling with um fortunately um, you know, as far as what's production wise, um, you know, uh, uh, peanuts were down just a little bit due to some kind of early season issues. Cotton was up. I mean, and, and, and cotton pricing was pretty good for the majority of the, of the year. So, um, the guys that were able to do some, some smart buying and some smart marketing, um, I think came out 
pretty pretty well. Uh, so in a in a in a nutshell, that's what's going on down here, or that's what's okay. happened in the last couple of months. Okay. So talk about so you guys do a lot of export business. You do a lot of stuff all over the place. You get a lot of things like that. Over this last couple of years, as you looked at that ex- export business, I mean, we could have sold our inventory ten times over export wise because I mean everyone's in the same position that we are, and just the further away you get from the manufacturer and major markets, the the more amplified that those issues become. How did you handle the export business, and and what what machinery? How how did you do? How did you determine what machines you're going to keep to what machines you're going to export? It's a good question. So, I mean, we put the export we put export opportunities and really out of region opportunities in the same analytical bucket you know sure. as far as how we discuss it and how we manage it um because as far as uh as far as the team is concerned they're really the same uh the only difference is you know what it takes to get them done and 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 kind of the 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 nuts and bolts of it right sure. and so um I've always kind of put export opportunities um, due to how much work they are, you know, and, and how much, you know, and, and the fact that, yeah, I mean, and, and, and here lately it's been getting harder and harder because I mean, you know, um, a lot of those services, like getting somebody to come in and do like an export level uh, cleaning um, right. trucking uh, serious breakdowns and all that kind of things. I mean, all those, uh, th- those vendors and those services are, are, have become much more expensive, harder to coordinate. Um, so it's a challenge, you know, um, but going back to kind of our decision matrix there, it's um, I'd say a year ago, we weren't really looking for expert opportunities. And I mean, you know, obviously we're, we're, trying to retain those relationships and kind of keeping those folks on the, on the call list and, and, and staying in touch with them and just explaining to them what the situation was. Um, and they understood, uh, um, you know, if, if we were having, it's funny cause it's like a converse relationship there. If you thought that we were having supply chain, if people think that we were having supply chain issues, you can only imagine the supply chain oh, yeah. challenges that they were dealing with, uh, you know, out of the outside the U.S. I mean, you've yeah. got the country yeah. that produces the majority of, you know, grade A farm equipment in the on the planet. And, um, you know, we were having challenges. Imagine the rest of the country or the rest of the world. Yeah. Uh, so the phone was ringing off the hook for new, for used, for barely running. Um and we just, we couldn't do it. I mean, we, we had to kind of prioritize with our, our local retail clientele yep. and the same thing with dealers. I mean, we, we had dealers that know that we're very, for instance, a very tractor intensive area and where guys were running out of stuff. I remember going to your meeting to a year ago, two years ago. And, uh, that was like the bar top conversation. Have you got some of these, have you got any of these, can you, were you willing to give one of these up? You know, it doesn't have to be now. What about, you know, have you got anything coming in in three to six months? Yeah. And the answer had to be right now. We just need to cover our bases. Yeah. Um, so our, our focus is our focus is always twofold. I mean, number one is to make sure that we keep our our retail and our 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 area of 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 focus or our, our customer base rolling. You know, right. and then um, the second priority is the health of our our business and health of our, our balance and health of our, our inventory. So we've used 
exporting and trading with other dealers um, for that, for the second, you know, when we're heavy on something, we sit down with someone that's got something that we need and we do some swapping. But there was a time there where we didn't have much of anything, you know? So we just had to press the pause button. Now that's changed in the last uh, couple of months. I mean, we've, we've been much more open to those opportunities. Yeah. So looking at, so same, same with us, you know, we, we look at what we have going on, same scenario that you just laid out there, the exact same thing that we've had to happen to us. Um, varying um, lines of equipment had varying different rules depending on what it was. But, you know, if you're looking at how we handle a combine versus how we handle a row crop tractor versus how we handle a, a forge harvester and how we handle a baler, I mean, all those things start to play. They all have different rules and different, uh, different uh, points of entry depending on what you're doing, who you're talking to, and what it is. And also, too, we, we started playing the whole game of, all right, so these are the machines we want to keep here. These are the machines that we want to, you know, cycle out someplace else. Right. And so, you know, we're talking six, seven, eight thousand hour tractors. We're talking, you know, in higher hour stuff. We're talking, you know, four and five uh, generational balers. We're talking, um, you know, 1200 to, you know, separator hour 2000 separate hour combine i mean start running on that list of stuff that the stuff we're trading in <clears throat> anymore is the stuff that's that's getting harder uh to move because of you know what what it is and i think and i'd like your this is something i've been thinking about about loon i'd love your opinion on it but you know when you look at how the market's playing out right now we have we kind of had two back-to-back the more i think about it, two back-to-back kind of smacks in the face a little bit from from an economy perspective so we had this 2012 through 2014 you know mass production and then we the the lag time behind that from you know 14 to 20 where we were fighting inventory issues and builds up of inventories and, and those kind of things and working through that constant cycle of of used um to where you know 2020 kind of comes along and kind of clears all that stuff out you know and then we're, we're down to 21 22 and now we're going back into the same scenario, but it's a different scenario. It's, a, it's, the, it's the inverse of what we had happened before, where the front side of the washout cycle is really full of that one, two, three-year-old stuff. And what's being traded in now is the stuff that's got, it might be seven, eight years old, and it's got three, four, five, six thousand hours on it. You know, you got the 2,000-hour combines. You got the, you know, the... 1500 hour, 2000 hour choppers and, and the, you know, the 25, 30,000 bell balers, those kind of things. The guys are trading that stuff in to upgrade to that stuff. But the bad thing about it is there's the, the gap between that. There's nothing in the middle, right? Yeah. And you're trying to figure out what that looks like and where that is. So my theory and philosophy of this is we're going to see this huge gap in the marketplace that of that, you know, we're seeing it. Seven, yeah, seven hundred and fifty to to fifteen hundred hour tractor. That uh, you know, seven hundred and fifty to a thousand hour combine. Um, you know, uh, start looking at you know five, six thousand, eight thousand bale balers, those kind of things. Where you've got that middle of the road, you know, third trade style customer that you're that you're looking at. So right now, if you want to buy something, it's really, really, really new. Or really, really, really old, and there's nothing in the middle. And the bad thing about it is, what where my fear lies in this whole thing is that gap. It's going to take forever for that gap to get filled up because right. if you bought a new tractor today, with the way things are and the economies of scale and those kind of things, 
you're probably going to keep that tractor for longer than you did previously. And it's going to become that high hour tractor. Yeah. So now, now we're just kind of like, like we're skipping an entire generation of equipment because it just won't make it back to the dealership as frequently as we've seen it make it in the past. Right. What's your thoughts on that, man? You seen something similar like that? Well, uh, that that's a phenomenal question. And, And that's, you know, we had a, we sat down with the group a couple of days ago. Um, so kind of as the conversation kind of had as needed um our group has a i mean we we've um we've rolled out where we sit down our entire management team sits down in a room face to face once every 30 days and and we are going around the room and we're discussing what everybody has seen and, and we're getting better and better at it, you know, where before it was, you know, bring your coffee in and, and come to talk, you know, about what's going on and what are we doing with this? What are we doing with that? You know, we're getting to where those meetings are getting a lot, a lot more and more productive because I think that everybody's seen that they, that they yield yeah. some results. And that's a roundabout way of saying that. I think the strategy here is to chip away at things as they, as they appear. And what I mean by that is, you know, so-and-so's thinking that so-and-so wants to go ahead and, and trade, you know, well, how many tractors is it? I mean, this could be, and this could be before the tractors get ordered, you know, um, well, what kind of appetite do we have for that deal? You know, do we really need to do it? Where would we go with it? What are the hours on it? You know, what else do we, what other deals do we have coming down the pipeline? All the things that we always say that we should be doing, um, we're, we're putting a lot more emphasis on now. And, um, and I don't think there's like a silver bullet, one thing that if you do this, um, you'll be able to be in a comfortable position where your bounty, where your inventory is all of a sudden balanced and you've got the 30%, you know, uh, 500 to a thousand hour tractors and 30%, a thousand to 3000 and another 20 something percent of tractors that are 4,000, 3000 hours and above, which is the ideal, something for everyone. Um, I think that right now you, you nailed it. You know, there was a big gap there where we cleared out everything. Every dealer in the country got down to where they had very, 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 and it's easy to talk about when you're talking about these kind of things, it's easy to just uh, refer to tractors. So that's kind of what I'm referring to. Um, so, um, everybody cleared out of everything and all of a sudden you have this lag. On that that very same thing, Lou. That was the first thing that actually got decimated as far as inventory levels go. Yeah. Used tractors just got sucked up. Just, I mean, like, it was almost like a three-month period where they just went from being like, holy crap, what do we do with all these tractors to... Because remember, there was that that stretch there where that three to 5,000-hour tractor was wicked hot. You know, that $100,000, oh, yeah. $150,000 tractor. And it kind of got gobbled up. And then when that all went away, then they started chipping away at the other stuff. Sorry to interrupt. Stuff. No, 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 no. Yeah. You, I mean, you nailed it. But I mean, I, I, I think that's a long-winded way of saying that we started from essentially scratch. So clear it out of everything because there was an, the phone was ringing off the hook because there was demand around the country, Right. I mean, if you couldn't retail a tractor, there was somebody else that needed one and you could trade it for something else that you needed. So, I mean, you couldn't move fast enough. Um, 
I remember, I mean, it was a struggle for advertising. I mean, we were having real problems doing advertising because by the time something hit the ground, I mean, we, we, it was already sold and all of a sudden, so everything gets cleared out and then new tractors start hitting the ground. Um, so exactly what you said, you know, you've got tractors hitting the ground, but their majority can fit into this equipment category. I mean, this, we put a little bit more hours on tractors here. So, I mean, they'd be 500 to say 1500 hour, almost 2000 hour tractors. So we're, we're lucky in that regard, you know, that we're, that we're, we probably have a little bit wider selection as far as a customer base and pricing that maybe some of your other dealers in the, I don't know, Midwest or out where they're only putting four or 500 hours a year on a tractor. So in that regard, that's good. But I think the name of the game is to then go out there and, where our focus is always on that A customer, like what's the A customer going to do? What's the A customer going to do? Our focus now is on on cataloging and really putting emphasis on what that B and C customer is going to do before they come and tell us what that's going to be, right? So go out and call that guy that normally buys a 2,000-hour tractor and runs it till it has 4,000 hours. Well, give him a call. See where he's at. You know, is he ready to do something? And man, listen, we got to we got a really great deal on a 8R250. He's got 1,800 hours. Uh, we'll throw some extra warranty on there. And so what we try to do there is bring that guy into the fold because we know what he's got. I mean, he's got a really nice 8245R that's got, you know, 3,500 hours. And we know we can do something with that tractor. Um, so it's just deal by deal chipping away at um, – and it may be, I mean, we did a deal a couple of weeks ago where, you know, we had a bunch of uh, kind of low horsepower, uh, low horsepower eight R's and um, ranged from 500 to almost 2000 hours, same customer. And so we don't normally, we'd look at all those tractors as, you know, in, in one, in one batch. Now we're splitting them up and that, and we're trying to identify the, the right buyer and with, with the goal being to get back in a, in a, in a balanced position as right. as soon as possible because the last thing you want to do is be stacked up with a certain category of tractors and like not be able to 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 move those but then you've got this other sector of your customer base that's willing to move but you don't have anything for them so right. we want to get back to that is that that's our number one priority yeah. um and, and diversification and inventory is a big big deal huge you know I mean? huge I mean, understanding where that stuff fits in that washout cycle and how that washout cycle comes together and knowing that you got to have this many tractors in this section to this section, this section, this section, knowing that as that stuff starts to matriculate through the washout cycle, you're going to gain inventory. You know what I mean? You start out with 10 by the time you get to that third bucket where everyone's ready to start buying that, whatever, you know, 2,500 hour tractor, something like that. If you're not careful and imagine that along the way, you could, you could wake up and say like, I've got 15 customers for 45 tractors. You know what I mean? You got to manage that all the way through, and and but but you can't you can't scalp it so early that when it gets to here, you don't have enough of those tractors, right? You know right. I mean? You nailed you nailed it, and it and it all starts with, and, and this is hard. I mean, th- th- it's not it's not black and white. And let me tell you what my opinion on on why I why you know people say it's not black and white. Well, you've got a lot more. We have a lot more control over that than what we give ourselves credit for. And, 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 and we're putting that into practice now. And what I mean by that is we're not waiting for that customer to approach us. We're going out 
we're going to them. We're trying to find them. Whether and what I mean by that is whether that's within our retail sector or whether that's a, a, a somebody out of area that's got something that we need and vice versa, where we can kind of fill that hole. We've always done it to some degree. I mean, we've always sure. sort of, you know done it. Um, you know, we've always done it to some degree. But I mean, I think now that it's a, it's a question of if you don't do it, you know what can happen. Because yeah. most of us that are in the, in the industry today, the last kind of shitstorm, we were we were all probably where we are today when that went down. So we all know what the what the repercussions are. Um, a lot of I, I came in on the tail end of that last madness, like back in the in the in the uh, whatever it was 2015 16, um, and kind of helped kind of clean that up. But I. I I'd, I'd never seen that before. I mean, I, I I wouldn't have known what to do and how to manage it um, if I was in a if I was working in a, in a different capacity. But now we've been through it and we know how painful it is. So man, we're doing everything we can to to avoid that. And I think so far, um, I, I, I would give us a pretty pretty decent mark. Um, I, th- I think I, I think we're doing all, all the right things. Um, you know, there's a lot of uncertainties going into 2023, but I mean, yeah. those things are out of your control. You do the best you can um, every day, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, I hear people cussing, um, you know, the allocation systems that, that I don't care what manufacturer line you're doing, whether it's trucks, tractors, boats, whatever. I mean, everyone's got an allocation system to run. That, that's going to, that's going to absolutely save the way we do business with the machinery that we've got right now. I mean, in my opinion, I mean, I think when you look at the allocation systems that are in place, I hope they don't go away. Yeah. I really do. I, I hope yeah. that they, um, they look at the marketplace, they figure out what it is that's going on and how all these things kind of work together and marry up and, and, and try to keep some kind of a, of a healthy ecosystem in going. Cause I think all these manufacturers learned a lesson in 12, 13, 14, that you just can't build stuff in the parking lot. You know what I mean? You've got to, you got to have, you don't have to, you don't have to do that. I mean, there's, there's things that you can do to, that you can move things down the line. And it's across the board. I mean, you're looking at, if you look at what you see happening right now with cars, I mean, the best thing that happened in the auto market was what we see happen right now, because you know how many articles I read about GM and BMW and all these people had these huge lease returns coming back. Yeah, and had no earthly clue what they were going to do with them. Well, lo and behold, all that stuff. Same thing that happened with us. You know, their their pendulum moved. It was probably their twelve through fourteen was more like fifteen through eighteen. You know, and, and because they started writing so many leases on these cars, oh, yeah. they got more expensive. So now they had this lease return yeah. come back. Count this big lease return glut come back, and it happened at the right amount of time. I Man, I tell you what, it showed up as production started slow. And yeah. they couldn't keep up and they had this big reserve of used equipment, just like we did. And it kind of built them out through the first couple of years. And now they're kind of at the same situation that we're at where everybody's getting to start over with a, a clean slate that they don't have to come in and try to sell a bunch of new equipment into a bunch of used equipment that they've already got. You know, they've got an opportunity to fill the cabinet back up with, with good, healthy food, not a bunch of Twinkies and Ding Dongs. You know what I mean? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So they've got you've got an opportunity there to where you nail it. You na- that that's you it. Know, it's a great opportunity to reset the marketplace 
in a healthy fashion so that everybody wins, yeah. customers included. You know what I mean? I mean, everybody comes across the board wins at, at something because I think one of the biggest misconceptions out there is, you know, we go out and have an auction and, and you know, get your head ripped off on something. And then the next piece comes in to trade two weeks after that auction happened, the, the market's been reset now. Right. So now you've got this machine over here that sold for 80,000 bucks and we can't put 150 in yours now. Right. It's, it's 80,000 bucks, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a, that opportunity for that reset to where everything gets, gets shifted to one place and we get to go back into a, a good sound, healthy market healthy. and then rebuild that. Now it's up to us, you know, to not go screw it up. But I mean, you know, it's, that's at the end of the day. That's that's the beautiful thing that I think that's in front of us right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, you nailed it. And I mean, I'm I'm going back to, you know, the last time I came on here, and I mean, you're you're echoing exactly my sentiments from back then. Is that you know we've got a hell of an opportunity. You know, it's not without its challenges. Sure. You know, yeah. because you've got you've got some customers that are having to you know, we're, we're having to do our due diligence or our due diligence to make sure that we're not, that we're protecting our customers, protecting their financial, you know, standings. And, um, and, and there's some customers that are having to really think long and hard about, about doing deals and how they're going to do them and how they're going to come up with, uh, you know, how they're going to be able to move forward. So, I mean, it's not, um, it's not without its challenges, but, but, you know, you look at what these manufacturers have done. I mean, they, they, act, I like to say it almost happened by accident. It's like they learned these things on accident because for however long the name of the game has been, how many assets yeah, how many can, you can you produce? Out? Yeah. How many can yeah. you produce, man? How many can you produce? And then put the programs out there to facilitate, you know, get them invoiced, you know, and, um, go, go, go. Don't worry about more, you know, so much about margin and profitability. It's always been a concern, but, um, but the name of the game was truck them, truck them, truck them. And look what's happened now. I mean, due to the situation, things have throttled back. And um and look at these, look at these manufacturers' margins. I mean, look at where John Deere's trading today. Um, they figured out that they can have a, a pretty healthy business and not be pushing so much paper. And um, and so I, I think our responsibility now is, I mean, I is to take a cue. And 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 keep this thing going and be healthy about it and not mess it up. And we can do it. We we all I think our industry is different than it was five, six, seven years ago. Yeah. You know, I think we're having different discussions than what we were even when when I started this this job, you know, some of the terms that we're throwing around now and some of the concerns that we're throwing around now and some of the strategy conversations were not as deep and they weren't as uh I guess uh, evolved as it as they are today, and that's a good thing. I mean, it, we, everybody needs to evolve, inclu- including industries. Yeah, and I think what you're saying there, and this is something I've been paying attention to as well, is like everything has gotten to be so big that everything is amplified now, right? So whether we're talking on on the dealership side, or they're talking the producer side, or whatever we're talking about the business structure and the scope of business that we see right now has gotten to be so big, so massive that we're talking about billions of dollars. We're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. We're talking in big numbers here that we did 10 years ago. No one even thought about 
a, a billion dollar business. You know, there were a few out there, you know, those kind sure. of things, but few but, and far between, you know, hundred million dollar businesses were pretty common. Now we're looking at a hundred billion dollar, hundred million dollar business. And that's like, you know, you're kind of, you don't even make the list. Guy. Yeah. You're, <laughs> you're a short, short list fellow, you know? So, you know, I think there's that magnitude, what we're seeing there. So let's jump back real quick and talk about that, that gap in that equipment that we talked yeah. about in that, in that sure. structure. So, yeah, I was about to circle back yeah. to that because I wanted to make a point about that, but go ahead. Okay. So I think one thing that we're going to see that's going to combat that is how these upgrade kits start to play into that, into that section. Right. So we're looking at um, right now, about every manufacturing line has got, um, upgrade kits for sprayers and upgrade kits for planters, right? Whether it's precision or, or deer's uh, performance upgrade kits or whatever it is. <clears throat> and you start looking at how those things start to play in. So I want to upgrade my piece of equipment, right? I want to do some different stuff. I want to do, you know, get the new piece of equipment, but I just can't quite swing the whatever $600,000 for this and the $400,000 for that. But I can swing, I can swing what it costs to upgrade the components that I want on the new piece, right? I'm not really interested about the horsepower of the engine or the, you know, the transmission, those kind of things, but I'm, I'm more concerned about how the sprayer operates and functionally works and what it does and doesn't do, how the planter plants and those kind of things. I'm not too worried about the bar, you know, as long as my bar doesn't have some stress fractures or some, some, you know, uh, you know, some kind of a, failure of sorts some kind of compromise in the integrity of the bar something like that but i can upgrade the parts that actually do the work that i want it to do sure so i'm looking at this as as you know also you know this autonomy thing with tractors autonomous tractors and what those look like there's going to be kits that are going to be able to replace a certain model you're in newer you're going to be able to functionally get this yeah it's going to get this kit on there and you can do you can make it do what the new one's going to do I think manufacturers have have taken a hard look at this and they have made a decision to some extent, a decision that, you know what, we can make a similar profit margin by selling these components as we can selling the entire machine. And, you know, I think that's going to be that what fills that gap, right? I'm going to be able to take my six or eight year old planner and make it a new planner. I'm going to be able to take my six or eight, nine-year-old sprayer and make it a new sprayer, you know? And yeah, I might, by that time, I may have done it two times or three times where I've added this or taken this off and done this, that, and the other thing. I think that's going to fill that gap. I think those are going to be there. But now we start working into a whole new discussion of a whole brand new industry of used components and used equipment is no longer used equipment it's used components so what am i <laughs> going to do with uh what am i going to do with a with a gen 2 you know wet system off of a off of a sprayer or what am i going to do with you know you know five-year-old uh, row units off of a planter and you start looking at that secondary marketplace for those things where the guy's got a gen one he's going to go to gen three now because there's a youth set out there you can take that look at have you have you thought about that much or is that is that anything that you kicked around in your head yeah I, 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 we've thought about it. So we went through and I'll be honest with you. We're a little bit behind the eight ball. We've certainly discussed it enough, but we haven't been, I mean, we've done a couple retrofits, mostly to planners. Um, and, and when I say a few, I mean, a few, um, sprayers. Um, I mean, we put the kits out there. We put the retrofit kits out there to our customers and, um, we haven't been real successful in, in doing so. I mean, we've got, 
Um, our AMS team has been, you know, our uh, technology team, I guess, has been kind of pushing it. But, you know, we we looked at it and we th- thought about, you know, can we go out there and pool a certain number of, of customers, especially with what planners are costing and um, bring them in, explain to them kind of what we we're going to do. And, you know, it'd give us an opportunity. But we we did one. Um, we did a we did a trial, you know, on a big machine, on a big cotton planner. And um, and we looked at the the time commitment to do that work. And I'll be honest with you, right now is where it stands. I mean, this may change tomorrow out of necessity. Um, but right now we we kind of had to prioritize, you know, where we need to spend our our or or you know, where we need to allocate our labor. And that's where that project kind of was left. Right. Um, I think there's a hell of an opportunity. But there's a commitment there. I, now it has opened the door up for some, um, um, uh, 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 aftermarket vendors. I mean, we've got one sure. group down here that does a really good job of that, and they've been out there going and doing their own kind of retrofits on planners and, um, and and some equipment, also upgrading some uh, some automation on equipment. I think at the end of the day, um, I mean, backing up a step or two, upgrades. Upgrades, we look at equipment upgrades functionally a little bit different maybe than what 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 the manufacturers do. I look at them as a way to um you know the front end of your of your trade cycle is heavy, at least on in our in our area it is, and it's getting it's going in that direction. Equipment's getting more and more expensive, it's getting bigger, it's getting uh, more complex, and therefore it's getting harder to put in the hands of that second and third owner, right? We've already discussed this. Well, um, so we've got to get that equipment down to where it's affordable, you know for that second and third owner, right? And, but at the same time, how do we keep that first owner running that machine a little bit longer? And some of these upgrades are, are a mechanism to do that. You know, maybe it's it's a pause button to be able to get it to run long enough and depreciate long enough to reintroduce into the marketplace, right? Mm-hmm. At, at a point where, where it can, where it can fit. Um, right. I mean, we do the same, we do the same thing with extended warranty on tractors. Um, you know, if a guy's running a tractor and he's intended to roll that tractor, you know, within the warranty period and maybe we're, we don't, we don't need, you know, we're, we've got enough of those low hour one and two hour, uh, one and two year old tractors. Well, maybe the thing to do is to let that guy run it and, 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 and uh, let him buy some more warranty or give him a good deal on some yeah. warranty where we can reintroduce it a little bit uh, later in the trade cycle. Um, I think what you're saying right there is really important. Lou. It's that measuring and, and, and guiding your, your, your user club and marketplace based around what that looks like and how those things play together. And to me, you're exactly right. You can, I don't, I don't need to have, I mean, it, when 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 do I have too many of something, right? Do if I have ten one-year-old combines with three hundred hours on them, is twelve too many? You know what I mean? You start out to start really measuring that and start looking at that, what that what that how that plays out, and what that looks like. And the easy way to do that is, it's almost in our best interest to give away extended warranty after the fact, you know, and, and run it for one more year and put X number more hours on it or something like that. To start diversifying on the books and not be able to sell it, and diversifying that 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 machine population that you have out there. 
Yeah, and and that goes back to, and I'm and, and that's something again, not not so much with the upgrades, um, but with some other things, um, like the warranties and like some other kind of mechanisms that we're using, um, you know, it, it's up to you. I mean, you you've kind of got to go out there and you, but but the first thing you got to do is you got to go out there and like you're going to get a checkup. I mean, you need to check the the health of your of your of your customer population. I mean, don't forget. We sold a lot of tractors. We sold a lot of used tractors. We may have even sold some used tractors uh, to people that maybe didn't need to buy a tractor in the last two years, just because they thought that maybe next year they couldn't get one. So that's something important to understand. I mean, you got to go out there and take the and 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 kind of check that that customer base and see, you know, where are you? I mean, are are you comfortable where you're at? I mean, you know, normally that guy's on a on a three-year, three or four-year trade cycle, when maybe he was only two years deep when he went ahead and bought one because he thought that maybe the sky was falling and there was just going to be no tractors for the next. I mean, I heard some crazy things, you know, in the last couple of years about what people thought was going to happen. Um, so I think it all starts with 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 um checking the health of your area and going back to that you know, where, where is that absorption? You can't use your mathematical, uh, theoretical absorption right now. We will like in a year or two, like when, whenever right. we can go back and, 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 and we kind of know what that is. I mean, we've got it logged in a, in an Excel file somewhere, how many of these we can sell a year and how many of these, but it, but all of that is contingent upon like a steady, uh, trade process. Um, right. and here's the other point I wanted to make, you know, is, it's critical. It's critical that we create or we re- redefine what those kind of thresholds are within our customer base. Um, because right now we're in a situation where, you know, it's in our best interest. We can't operate if there's not a buyer for every one of those, if there's not a if there's not a buyer for every one of those tractors for you know that segment of equipment, um, it creates a problem. It doesn't matter whether the 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 clog is up front or at the very back, you know. Right. So uh, it, it it's a conscious like chipping away at it every day to make sure you know we're we're all headed in the in the same direction. It's a challenge because I mean your your sales force is not always going to be aligned on on kind of strategic goals. So that's where we come in and and kind of try to. We're talking with our guys more than we ever have. I mean, that that is no no doubt about that. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> the point you're making there is, is a valid point. When you're looking at the amount of equipment that you've got, you you need to understand what it is that your ecosystem is where you're at, right? If you have a whole bunch of, you know, ten year old five to seven thousand, eight thousand hour stuff, and then you start introducing you should be able to go back in and start saying, okay, let's introduce some of this one-year-old, two-year-old. So you should have uh, buyers for those kind of things, right? Yeah. If you show up and you've got, and you're in the middle of that, you know, you're in that three to five-year-old stuff and that's where your, your market's lying at. To me, that's the sweetest spot to have if you have yeah. that kind of a place because you've got the guys that are going to buy that that used stuff that's coming in, but you also have the back-end supply to go three or four washouts deep. Right. You know, right, right off the get go, right? Because you you got that. If you're too far on one side or the other, it takes forever to fill that middle back up, and that's what we're at right now. And I keep that's what we keep coming back to. 
or you're trying to or you're trying to do deals with the equipment with that with 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 the improper uh asset i mean you know you're trying to make deal you're trying to make deals work um and you're trying to fit something you know a square peg in a round hole whatever the expression is you know um so again focuses on 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 keeping that balance and the other thing to be in, to be cognitive of or to be aware of is not only like what the health of your ecosystem is but um but step back a little bit you know and i mean this is an important point that i i make almost every time that i get on one of these is um stay on the phone i mean you know t- t- talk with your counterparts around the country and figure out where they're at because yeah. like like you know we we're, we're kind of bringing this thing full circle here in the sense that you know we started the podcast talking about not all not all regions are created equal well not all regions are created equal um and uh you may have one problem uh another area may have another and uh, um and i think we're we as dealers are working closer together now than what we ever have um and we just need to continue on that path i mean you know there there's still de- there are still regions due to the manner in which they seed their trade cycle in other words how they how they retail tractors um that are still short you know yeah. that are of everything of of every equipment category um and if that guy stays on an island he's going to struggle then let's 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 not let him struggle i mean you know let's talk to each other and how figure out how we can all get back to normal operation <clears throat> yeah i think one of the biggest pieces of information that I get every month that really helps paint the picture of what the market looks like is got a gentleman that works for me every month. Um, every month he puts together a, uh, a list of uh, kind of what he sees out there on the websites, you know, and we have one segment of that where you start breaking, you know, eight R tractors down or whatever it is that you're looking at combines, whatever, but you're looking at how many machines you have in a certain hour range. Mm-hmm. on the internet right so i'm like you're like how many combines how many gear combines case combines you know all the way down the line how many of those machines are in a zero to 300 hour range how right. many of those are in 301 to 500 all the way down <clears throat> and to your point you got to step back and take a look at the big picture because what's going on in your particular neck of the woods may just be a precursor to what's going to go all the way across the country pretty soon right you just might be ahead of, the, ahead of the curve, depending on what it is that you're doing. You know, I think we saw that. Um, you'll probably see that in your area with tractors way before anybody else does, just because of the amount of tractors that you guys, how much, how many peak, how many tractors it takes to farm in your area, right? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. take the same number of tractors to farm my area that it does in your area, right? That's right. That's right. So, so as you're looking at those kind of things, but on the flip side of that is I'll sell more combines in my area than you sell in yours. No so, doubt. What happens in my area with combines is going to be a precursor to what happens years. But it might be six months. It might be a year. Who knows how long it'll be before it gets to you. Um, but understanding and watching that stuff develop, I think that's where a lot of guys get get caught in a pickle. Right. Is, is that all of a sudden they wake up and like, well, what happened? You know, what happened? The way has been coming for a long time. You, you just, just got to pay attention. Have, you got to pay attention to what's going on around you. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's, it's huge. No, sorry, God. Well, I mean, the the perfect example, I mean, you know, whenever, you know, we don't, we're not a combine intensive area. And I mean, when we do run combines, they're not put, but, you know, a couple hundred hours a a year on them because it's just kind of like an afterthought. I mean, there's some, 
larger growers, but I mean, for the, it's the exception in our area. I mean, you get out yeah. in, you know, uh, Clay's area out there a little further east. I mean, there's a little more, more, more uh, field uh, uh, corn, but, um, you know, we were all of a sudden corn started doing well and we had a lot of guys, I don't know, it was a couple year or two ago that, you know, all of a sudden a bunch of guys are growing corn and, um, you know, picked up the phone and called a couple friends of mine. I mean, uh, around the country. I mean, I mean, it was like, I mean, it was like calling your mom and she hadn't heard from you in like 15 years or something. I mean, it was like the most welcome phone call ever. You know, they had them, we needed them and vice versa. You know, we needed to move some tractors. They needed to move some combines and we did some swaps that were tremendously, you know, mutually beneficial. And, um, and it's a win-win. And, and, yeah. and just let that simmer for a second there. Neither dealership made any like crazy sacrifice. Right. You know, nobody like uh, uh, moved anything in a tremendous loss or it was just a, it was a, it was a mutually beneficial swap. Um, and I, I don't think I've ever had a deal where when you're swapping equipment when in, versus you compare uh, just selling something, again, unless you've got something that's tremendously impaired, the swap is always more benef mutually beneficial. I mean, there, yeah. there's more room for making things work, et cetera. Sure. Um, sure. So that's important. Yeah. No. I, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's the, the key there is that, again, going back to the whole thing of, of building, uh, of understanding what's going on around you, right? Um, there's so much information out there and so much data that you can pull down that will show everything you want to do plus some if you just take that whole thing in and look at the big picture and, and really step back, take that take that approach of, of what it is and and go from there. But I think you're hitting, you're being, you're, you and I are, are, are thinking alike here when we look at what we see happening, how things are playing, how things are coming together you know what i mean i think it's just it's a bigger um way I want to this. it's a it's a bigger environment than it used to be right you no could doubt. you could hide in, in your little corner of the world and kind of do what you need to do and take care of your 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 seven or eight tractors that you traded in and your three or four your combines that you traded in and and you know your five or six balers that you traded in and you had 30 or 40 pieces of equipment on the lot, but it was a little bit of everything and not a whole bunch of one thing and a little bit of something else. Times have changed so much now that it's, it's not, it's a whole bunch of everything. Now that's that we have to deal with, you know, you start looking at millions of dollars worth of tens and twenties million dollars worth of stuff in just one segment, you know, yeah. not, not your whole inventory, just, yeah. just one segment. Yeah. The, the the good news is that, like I said, I mean, I don't mean to be repetitive, but um, yeah, the the market has evolved, and the 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 uh, market has gotten in the in the the business has gotten more sophisticated and uh, evolved. But but so have we, right? I, I and and that's the and that's the silver lining here is um is that I think a lot of people are doing, and I, I talk to a good many people around the the country, and um, you know, I remember when I showed up whenever it was six, seven years ago, and you'd get on the, I was just starting to make these, these calls and starting to get to know these dealers. And man, I'll tell you what, you talk, talk about the skies falling. I mean, you'd get on the phone with these guys and um, the, they didn't know what to do. I mean, it, it was just a, it was madness. I mean, you know, nobody knew what the hell was happening or what to do or who to talk to, or this is different. I mean, you know, obviously we're not there, you know, I don't, um, 
But I mean, the conversations now are a lot more, all right, what do we do about it? I mean, we know this is what we need to do. This is what needs to be done. Um, let's just do it. Let's just put it into practice. And that's yeah. good. I think that's, I think that's what needs to happen. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not concerned. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I think to your point, I think we've got uh, some headwinds ahead of us, um, but it's a different kind of headwind than we've had before. And it's a, it's a different looking animal than, than we've seen in the past. So 23 is going to be interesting. It's like 22 and 21 work. So yes, sir. Yes, All sir. All right. Well, I think it's a good place to stop, Lou. What's the best way for folks to reach out to you and, and, and pick your brain if they want to? So cell is a 954-815-7981 or L Bordoni at flintequipco.com. Or if you're driving through America's Georgia or Southwest Georgia, hit me up. We may cross paths in a cracker barrel. <laughs> cracker barrel. <laughs> that's the best I could come up with. That's the best yeah. I could come up with. Sorry. That's, that's a good one, though. The cracker my, my, tasty, my, for sure. my brain is at hit capacity. I hear you. Okay. I enjoyed well, it, man. Lou, appreciate you being on, man. Always good to see you. Yeah, brother. Thank you. Take care. Right on. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and see the YouTube version of this on the uh, Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. So check that out there. Go to Moving Iron LLC for everything Moving Iron related. And uh, check out the blog posts that are out there as well. The entire library of the Moving Iron Podcast, plus the Moving Iron Summit coming up here September 11th through 13th in Nashville, Tennessee. Lou, you've been about... I don't know, three of those now, four of those mm, now, more like, like five, four or five. five? Okay. Yeah. What's your, what's your favorite thing about going to those? Oh, geez. This is a trick question. This is a, this, um, <laughs> no wrong depends how rated, you know, uh, <laughs> my favorite part is seeing that quiet guy in the corner mm. out on, out on, uh, out on the strip. Now. Oh, yeah. You get to know guys. people on a yeah. whole different level. And it, and, it, and, it, and I'm not trying to be funny there. It's uh, it it uh, you know, building relationships, man. It, 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 yeah. Building relationships is not a cookie cutter thing. I mean, it, it it's uh, it doesn't matter how you do it as long as you achieve it. Right, right. So if you were uh, going to go talk to about six or seven dealers about something, would you talk to them about the Moving Iron Summit and attending that? Absolutely, I've always recommended it tremendously. It's a, it's a it's a great event. By far, in my opinion, the best event in our industry. I know. Well, I appreciate but that's that. a big statement, but uh, that is that is a big statement. So I hope, well, not, Luke, I hope not to get in trouble for that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't think too. I think you'll be okay. All right. Man, I appreciate you being on the podcast, buddy. All right, bro. Take it easy. All right, man. Take care. Casey Seymour with Lou Bordone. School smart folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. 
TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's IronComps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century.